Hi, this is Tom from Rhapsody, a part of the Hopewell Valley Student Podcasting Network, just like the show you just listened to. Every podcast in the network is written, recorded, and edited by Hopewell Valley students. The views and opinions expressed in these shows are the opinions of the host and may not represent the opinion of HVRSD. For more student-generated digital content, go to Hopewell Valley Student Publications Network at www.hvpsn.com. we're picking apart this episode is called Monin, and what you're listening to right now is the original composition by the Charles Mingus Big Band. Now the other interpretation of Monin we're pitting it against is arguably its most prolific performance, that done at the BBC 2017 proms. Now the history of the composition of Monin is inextricable from the history of its composer, Charles Mingus. Mingus grew up playing cello, however, his performing ability and his sight reading ability were not up to snuff and he was not able to join his youth orchestra. Because of this, he transitioned to double bass and ended up becoming a prodigy. After graduating college, he entered a compositional period where he composed most of his major pieces. Now, Mingus is extremely eclectic. He takes inspiration from blues and gospel music, and you can see this very clearly reflected in Monin. Almost all musicians who served in Mingus's band went on to have impressive, if not prolific, careers in jazz. And in terms of performance, Mingus had moved beyond a simple prodigy. The double bass was as much of a part of his body as his fingers were. Mingus pioneered bass technique and is often cited by music historians as one of, if not the most proficient double bass players of all time. Now that we all have an idea of what we're dealing with, let's take a closer look. For instance, both pieces are composed in 4-4, or common, if you're really advanced, time. All this really means is that rather than being in compound meter, which is where each measure is divided into groupings of three notes, it is divided into simple meter, where each measure is divided into either groups of two or four notes. There are a multitude of reasons to compose a piece in 4-4 time, most plausible of which for Monin is the ease of improvisation which comes with simple meter. Jazz, being a genre which relies heavily on its improvisational nature, and Charles Mingus being who he is, would have specifically tailored his music to suit the taste of his bandmates. 4-4, being a sort of default time signature, meaning that this time signature is encountered the most by most musicians, would lend itself to being an excellent venue for technically complicated improvisational solos. This means that a musician, rather than devoting mental capital to figuring out how to play a solo in a more complicated time signature, has more opportunity to, on the fly, create more complicated rhythms and flourishes and motifs. While both pieces differ in terms of structure, they do share the same motif in between solo sections. These sections, called bridges, are dominated by the alto saxophones. The melody they play primarily consists of intervals of major seconds and perfect fourths. The quality of these intervals, that is, how they sound, establishes a feeling of triumphance. As the melody continues, a contradictory melody, or a counter-melody, begins to take over, creating a chaotic environment leading up to the next solo section. While both the key signature and the bridges of the pieces are nearly identical, the structure of both pieces differs slightly. 
Now to briefly talk about jazz structure, they begin with a section called a head. Now heads are extremely similar to the concept of an introduction in, say, a pop song. Both establish the emotionality, tone, etc. of the piece. However, where the head in a jazz piece differs is that unlike in a pop song, the head isn't repeated close to the end of the piece. There is no reprisal of it. Moving away from heads, we transition into bridges. Bridges form the connective tissue between sections, such as a head and a solo section, or two different solo sections. These improvisational sections consist of most, if not all, of the band improvising their parts. Several of the musicians will take up the position of playing the melody, while the rest will remain in the background and play things like harmonies or counter melodies, depending on which instrument it is, and depending on the overall feeling of the jazz group. Different solo sections can sound entirely different, although they might even be in the same key signature, have similar beats, etc. The major difference between these two iterations of Monin are the number of solo sections, and thus the number of bridges between them. The original by Charles Mingus has a solo section for almost every individual member of the band, meaning that there are a multitude more solo sections and bridges than there are in the newer version, which only has two. Now that we've talked about the major similarities and minor differences between the two pieces, we can move on to how these pieces primarily diverge from each other. Monin here, as opposed to having a slow introduction to its motifs, hits you with them like a train. You are not intended to look away, and the piece ensures you don't. This new instance of Monin defines itself not by a difference in key signature or chord structure, but by a new virtuoso who stood on stage that night, Leo Pellegrino. Now Pellegrino essentially defines the tone of this piece. He got to start as a street performer, so he's used to trying to grab people's attention, and the piece achieves exactly that. In several seconds, Leo Pellegrino will play one of the most infamous solos in modern musical history. He is surrounded by a full orchestra, which contains at least 50 brass players, and strangely for a jazz piece, a conductor, which stretches both the physical and genre-wise the limit of the phrase big band. As opposed to Charles Mingus, who only played with a select group of people, Leo didn't really form a connection with his ensemble. However cursory it was, there were only several rehearsals before the performance, while Mingus would spend years refining his connection with the band. And this is kind of one of the major differences we can see between the two iterations. As opposed to being focused on the collective, that is, Charles Mingus's ensemble, which, again, he would spend years fostering a connection with, would write pieces specifically tailored to their interests and predilections. This piece is focused on the individual, Leo Pellegrino, which is justified, he's good. He's really, really good at what he does. Right now, he's hopping around on stage, spinning around playing Barry Sacks. But this difference is completely inextricable. And it's insane that these pieces are so different considering how similar they are in terms of theory, which kind of goes to show that each iteration of this piece is similar to each iteration of a solo section in any jazz piece. Entirely different.